been looking at our salvation through the eyes of Peter. Join us as our series, Knowing Your Salvation, continues next on Graceful Truth. The ministry of Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. We welcome you to our broadcast today. We're continuing our series in 2 Peter called Knowing Your Salvation. Today, we're back in chapter one, looking at verses one through 11, the source, the substance, and sufficiency of this salvation that you and I enjoy in Christ and what it procures for us in the future, the benefits of this assurance. Please. Spend time with us today and be encouraged in grace. With this edition of Graceful Truth, here's Pastor Steve Converse. You can turn over to 2 Peter, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to work backwards. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11, but we're actually going to be starting down at verse... 10. And uh, I think this is really the key verse to this portion of Scripture. So you can just follow as I read these couple verses for us this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One thing this verse points out to me, and just a way of reminder, we're looking at knowing our salvation. First, Second Peter talks about knowing our salvation, knowing the scriptures, knowing those who are against the scriptures, false teachers, and knowing how to practically live out this Christian life. That's kind of the outline of, of Second Peter in a roundabout way, but today we're, we're looking at knowing your salvation. And we've already looked at where our salvation comes from in verse 1. It says that a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith. Well, to obtain something, you have to get it from somewhere. And it says there that the source of our salvation is none other than God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a salvation that comes through Christ by God. We don't have any other means under heaven to be saved other than the work of Christ. That's so important to understand today. Because there's so many people in our world that are looking for ways to somehow allow their religion to do something for them. And religion won't do anything for you. The only thing that will do anything for you is a relationship with the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's so important that we grasp that, that our salvation, the source of it comes from God through faith in Christ. There's no other back door. There's no side door. There's no way you could ever work yourself enough to earn your way to heaven. It's something that God graciously gives you. And we saw the substance of our salvation, just in review once again, in verse 2, it says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. When we are saved, God does it through His grace, and we receive His peace as a result of that grace. 
It's never the other way around. There's a lot of people in the world looking for peace. They're looking for peace in their own mind. They're looking for peace in their marriage. They're looking for peace in their family. They're looking for peace at their job or their finances. They're not going to find it. The only place that you can find true peace is when you experience the grace of God through Christ. And so we understand the source and the substance. And then last week we looked at how our salvation is sufficient because it's by God's divine power, it says in verse 3. And it says that he granted us everything that we need. See, don't believe the lie that once you're saved, then there's something more to be had. That somehow you have to go and you beg God for a bigger anointing or more of the Spirit or more of His love or more of His forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, you got all you're going to get if you're saved. That's it. There's nothing else to get. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't grow in your relationship. That doesn't mean that you don't mature in your faith. But so many times I run into Christians that, you know, they're, they're, they're praying for God to give them more love. Or they're praying for God to give them more forgiveness. Or somehow to give them a a greater portion of the Spirit of God. You have everything that God is going to give you if you're truly saved. He's not going to give you anything more. And so our, our salvation is sufficient to save us. We don't take our salvation and add something to it. And some of the things that even Christians like to add to their salvation are good things. They pat themselves on the back for helping the poor and maybe evangelizing or, you know, ministering to the sick. All those things are good things. But when it's done with a motivation of somehow because you're doing those things, you're earning brownie points with God as far as your salvation is concerned. You just lost your reward because you're doing it with the wrong motivation. It's not that we don't get rewards. We do. And we're going to be looking at that in a couple minutes here because he speaks to that in verse 11. But it's so important to understand that our salvation is complete. It's sufficient. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that that's the case. That I don't have to do everything I'm doing now and somehow still go to bed at night thinking, hmm, is God's grace sufficient to save me? Because I'm pretty bad at times and I just don't know if it's good enough. Maybe I should try to do something a little more in this area or that area. Now, you don't want to go to the other extreme and use the source and substance and sufficiency of your salvation for license to go do whatever you want. That's not what we're talking about. But don't come to God expecting to get something more when he's done everything he can for you through the sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, verse 10 says, therefore, brothers. So he's talking to brothers in the Lord. He's talking to Christians. And that word, therefore, is is to point you back to what was previously stated. And we're going to be looking at that, some of that next week, actually. But the reason I'm doing this in reverse is because I want to kind of lay a foundation for the need that we have as we are looking at today, the surety of our salvation. That we can have assurance in Christ. That we can be assured of our salvation in Christ. We don't have to question it. And it's a very important issue for Christians. Because there's a lot of people who are Christians or call themselves Christians, but they have no assurance or they don't even believe in assurance. Some people don't believe in assurance. They think it's heresy to teach that you can have, that you can count on the assurance of your salvation. Well, just a way of introduction, what are some of the benefits for assurance as a Christian? 
practically? What are some things that, that can really encourage our hearts as a Christian when we look at the assurance of our salvation? There's a couple of things. First of all, it makes us love and praise the Lord. It pushes us in that direction. See, I don't know about you, but if I, if I served a God that never assured me of anything, I don't know if I'd be so quick to, to love him or praise him. Praise him for what? A big question mark? Maybe I'm saved, maybe I'm not. How would I ever know? Hope it all just works out in the end? I mean, that's what the world religions teach. I grew up in a church 19 years of my life, and I could never be assured of my salvation. It was always, oh, you had to go to the next mass, or you had to go to the next confession, or you had to say this prayer, or you had to say that prayer. Don't you dare tell them that you are assured of your salvation. They would look at you like you're crazy. No one can be sure of their salvation, they would say. And what does that do? That empowers them over their followers. That causes their followers to be in debt to that religion. Because you're looking to that religion, a way of works, to save you. And so when you come up with the the understanding that, no, God's salvation is sufficient, and we can be assured of it, what's the need for all this stuff we're doing? Why do we do this stuff? Why do we say the rosary and go to confession and give to the church? Why do we do all this stuff? See, in some people's minds, they're doing it to save themselves. It's a religion of works. It's not a religion of grace. And so when we have that doctrine of assurance and we understand it biblically, it helps us to run to our God and to worship Him and to praise Him for the goodness that He's provided for us. I mean, do you know that His saving grace is not just temporary, it's for all eternity? When He saves you, He doesn't just save you for today. Aren't you glad about that? I mean, think if you had to wake every morning and, wow, I wonder if God's going to save me today. I don't know. I mean, that would be crazy. There'd be no assurance at all. Or worse yet, that you could do something to unsave yourself. That wouldn't cause me to want to praise God. Because my God, if that were the case, would be insufficient. It's very practical. Our hearts should be filled with gratitude. Filled with loving praise when we come to our God and our Savior. Knowing that, you know what? We are secure in Him. That our salvation is assured of. Not only makes us love and praise God, but it also allows us to do it with a little bit of joy. Uh, Some believers need to understand from whence they came. You know, sometimes we forget from what we were saved out of. And we, we get in the church and we become all religious and we become all pious. And, you know, we fall into the little routine. Well, how was your week? Oh, my week was fine. Praise the Lord. How was yours? And You know, nobody's real in the churches anymore. The churches aren't a place where transparency, you know, can be had. And that's a shame because that's not the way the New Testament church was. It says they had all things in common. They, they shared all kinds of things with each other. And not just material things. I think emotional things. See, this isn't a place to come and put on a front. This is a place to come and joyfully enter into the worship of your Savior. And you can't do it joyfully if you're playing a game of masks. If you're trying to be somebody you're not. This is the place you should come when you've had a hard week. And somebody says, how was your week? You know what? My week stunk. (laughs) I had a horrible week. You want to hear about it? I'll tell you. And you just start telling them. Hopefully, that little conversation will end in prayer. 
for you. That God will maybe turn this new week around. That maybe you can praise God, at least you made it through the week, even though it was a hard week. And you can do that with joy in your hearts. Why? Because you know that your salvation doesn't depend on your circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter how hard the job gets or what a jerk the boss is or, or how tense the relationship is with the spouse. None of that matters when it comes to your salvation. You can have joy through all of that because you know one day God is coming back, Christ is coming back, and you're going to be gloriously transferred from this physical body that's infected with sin in this sin-stained world, and you're going to be ushered into His glorious presence. And you can look forward to that with joy in your heart. Thirdly, assurance really makes us want to be obedient. Makes us want to serve Him. It should. If I know that I'm truly saved and I'm headed for heaven, then I understand the responsibility I have to serve the Lord. He's left me here for a purpose. He has a plan to use me, my gifts, whatever it might be, for his kingdom. Not for my own glorification, but for his glory. See, assurance should not breed the attitude of apathy. Well, it's just, you know, sure it'll all work out one day. No. It, it, it should give you an industrial heart, industrious heart, a heart that wants to serve the Lord even more because you know the truths that you're believing in are truly true and they're, 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 they're working their way out through your life in obedience to your Lord and Savior. But if you're not sure of your salvation, if you're not sure you're on the right path, if you're not sure that you're really saved, that, that God's salvation isn't sufficient to save you, well, if He can't even save you, what are you going to serve Him for? What's the use in that? Doubting discourages service. I've never met someone who's doubting their salvation who's just really involved in ministry, really serving the Lord with the right motivation and everything. I've I've never really seen that. I've seen people who come to church and warm a pew and don't do much of anything. And then you talk to them and they say, well... You know, I don't, I don't know about my faith. Well, of course you don't know about your faith because you're not seeing God work through you. You're not seeing God use you. You have to be willing to commit to that. It also gives us victory. Assurance gives us victory over temptation. I like this. It gives us victory over temptation. Because I don't know about you, but I hold on to that verse. You know, I know that when I'm in the strongest of temptation, the Bible says that there's no temptation that has taken me except that which is common to man. And you know what? God is faithful and he will what? provide a way out. He'll provide a way of escape. He's not going to tempt me beyond what I'm able to bear. He's going to ultimately save me. As wretched and sinful as my heart is sometimes, He's still going to save me. Because He's not trusting in my goodness for my salvation. He's trusting in the sufficient work of Christ on the cross. And when Christ died, and you put your faith and your trust in that, it covers everything. It's a bl- it just covers everything. It doesn't matter what it might be. You don't have to despair. Because you have, and you understand that one day you will be glorified. One day you will be ushered into God's presence. So if God's going to do that for you, surely He can get you through this little temptation deal you're, you're dealing with. It's not going to change our eternal state. So it causes us to love and praise God. It causes us to have joy when we're dealing with various trials here on earth. Assurance causes us to, us, us to serve Him in obedience. 
It allows us to gain victory over temptation. It also allows us to be content in this world in which we live. Assurance of my salvation allows me to be content. Even though it may not have a lot of stuff, that contentment can be part of your heart. And you know, contentment is something that's fleeting a lot of hearts today in the world. Why do you think advertisers advertise the way they do? <laughs> their whole desire, their whole goal is to make you discontent. You don't have everything you need. You need more. You need this newer car, or you need this different insurance, or you need this, or you need that, or whatever it might be. Why do you think they spend millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars on that? As dumb and silly as those ads are and as irritating as they are sometimes, why do you think they do that? Because they work. (laughs) Because it works. And if it works, you're exposing your stuff to that. What's going to happen? You're going to begin to believe that. And you're going to begin to become discontent. Well, when you have assurance of your salvation and you realize that, you know what? It doesn't really matter what happens here on this earth. It doesn't matter if I get the next promotion or I own the bigger house or the nicer. Who cares? It's all going to burn up anyway. I know one day the one thing I can be assured of is that my Lord and Savior is coming back for me and I'm going to be ushered out of here. And all the computers and the iPhones and iPads are all going to be left behind for somebody else to play with. And trust me, they're going to have to play with something because they're going to have a real issue on their hands at that point in time. It also causes the suffering heart to endure. You know, when you're going through a hard time, when you're dealing with maybe the loss of a loved one or sickness or whatever it might be, the idea that when you know you're saved and there's nothing that's going to take that away, there's nothing that can disrupt that. The Bible says there's there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. That helps you endure those things with a little more steadfastness, with a little more patience. I'm sick and tired of the gospel message that's being preached today that Jesus promises you a happy, wealthy, healthy life. It just makes me want to puke. It really does. It's sickening. And you think as, as much exposure these false teachers get time and time again that people would think twice before promoting them or giving to them or their ministries. But boy, they're, you know, just as soon as they're, they're found out with some financial scandal or sexual scandal, you know, you give them nine months to a year, hey man, they're back into it. <laughs> they're back on TV, raking in the millions from their, their followers, playing the religious game. You know, when you're suffering, when you're hurting, it's good to know that you're saved and that nothing, nothing can interrupt that salvation It helps you endure those hard times with patience. It also pacifies the troubled conscience. Do you ever feel like you're just not worthy to be saved? Do you ever feel like, you know, that besetting sin just comes back and you confess it and you you read books on it, whatever, and it just keeps on coming back and you just feel so burdened by it. And and you think, wow, okay, man, I got a a couple weeks here, you know, whatever it might be, whatever that sin is. And, you know, I'm going strong and then boom, it resurfaces and you stick it to start all over. And you just feel dirty. You feel unworthy. You feel sinful. You feel wretched. Well, you know what? In reality, you are. (laughs) You are. That's the whole point of needing a Savior. Now, obviously, when God saves us, He transforms us. It says He recreates us. He gives us a new, new creation, a new heart. But I don't know about you, but sometimes your conscience can get the better of you. And I don't think it's just us. 
I don't think it's just up here in our mind. The Bible clearly says that we have an enemy, beloved. The Satan is out there and he is what? His main goal is to accuse the brethren. That's what he wants to do. Because if you can feel like your life is under accusation, guess what you're not going to be doing? You're not going to be having joy in your life. You're not going to probably be even assured of your salvation. You're going to be doubting. As a result of all that, you're not going to be serving God the way he wants you to because you don't feel worthy to serve God. And so he wins in the short game, that is. Don't allow a troubled conscience to steal away that assurance of your salvation. Now, with that being said, if you're a Christian and you're involved in gross sin, You better be careful. God doesn't mess around with that. He doesn't play games with that kind of stuff. We think, oh, it's not hurting anybody. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be pornography on the internet or whatever. Oh, it's not really hurting anybody. Yeah, it is. It's hurting you, first of all, and it's hurting God. It's hurting his heart. And if your conscience is troubled over something like that, good. It needs to be. And you need to go to God and you need to make things right and you need to confess that and ask Him to fill you anew with the Spirit of God and help you to live a life that's powerful over this sin and death and and all the stuff that the world dishes out because that's truly the Christian walk. So you can't, in the face of God's grace, expect to go and just do whatever you want and use His grace and the assurance of your salvation as a license to sin. That's not right. There's something wrong there. But when we have the assurance of our salvation, it does pacify a troubled conscience. I know that no matter whatever, each day, when I go through the day, you know, you're barraged in different directions from different things. Maybe you lose your temper. Maybe you think a bad thought. Maybe you think a lustful thought. Whatever it might be. At the end of the day, I understand that I can bring those things to God or I can even do it as they're occurring. And God has forgiven me completely. I don't need to go to bed wondering, oh, gee, am I really saved? No, because God has saved, changed, working in me. I can see that playing out. And as a result of that, I don't have to go to bed with a troubled conscience. Does God convict you as a believer when you sin? Sure he does. And if there's no conviction and you're claiming to be a believer and you're sinning willfully, then there's something wrong. Because God not only convicts your heart, but he will also ultimately discipline you. So many times people say, you know, I don't understand. You know, this guy's a Christian. Man, he's cheating on his wife. He's cheating at work. He's got, you know, financial things. He's taking advantage of people. And look at him. He's making more money. It's God's blessing him. No, he's not. He's not blessing that. As a matter of fact, that person is probably not even a believer. I don't care what comes out of their mouth. So be careful. Be careful with that. And then last, it removes a fear of death. It removes a fear of death. Knowing that you are saved and that, that, that God has that salvation secured in Christ with a deposit that he's put in you through the Holy Spirit. I mean, sometimes I think I don't necessarily want to understand how I'm going to die, you know, because frankly, I mean, just for whatever reason, I've been around a lot of people and been around them when they're dying. Sometimes it seems like a pleasant experience. Sometimes it doesn't. It's a difficult experience. I always walk away from the situations. I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder how I'm going to die. I'm just going to die, you know, at my desk, face down in my Bible. That'd be great. <laughs> Boy, that'd be neat, wouldn't it? 
Or will I die on the couch as I'm watching sports or something? You know, who knows? That's the other end of it, right? You don't know how you're going to die. But you know what? The Word of God tells me, you know what? You don't need to fear death. You don't need to fear death. Christ rose from the grave. He has victory over sin and death. I mean, none of us look forward to dying, but I guarantee you we're all going to die pending the Lord's return. Sooner or later, we're all going to die. We all have an appointment with death. And assurance removes the fear of that appointment. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.